0: Hello and welcome, Nationals fans, to the Dogcast, the podcast that's definitely not in the way of Mike Rizzo. I'm your host, Blake Finney, and I never thought I'd say I'm glad to see the back of Jose Reyes this year. Well, this series. We'll see what he does in the next uh, next time we see the Mets. Joining me a little later on is the site expert from Blog Red Machine, Drew Cook, uh, from the Red Fan Side blog. But first, we're going to recap the Mets series. Uh, obviously, a nice two game sweep it is, just against the Mets. But they did look like the Nationals of twenty sixteen and seventeen with the way they just kept piling on the hits, especially in that first game, twenty five runs, and they actually followed it up with a nice. Five-run performance, again, aside from the Rendon home run, it was done on stringy hits together, which is definitely a positive. Player of the series, we had Tommy Malone out of nowhere dominating the Mets, especially against Noah Syndergaard. I get that he was coming off uh, coming off the deal with the hand, foot, and mouth disease, which is like we talked about with Tim on the last podcast, just very New York Mets this year. But seven innings, three hits, one run just on the Jose Reyes home run, and a whopping nine strikeouts for someone who's barely registered about six or seven strikeouts per nine from Malone. So he should get a couple more starts, I think. I think Strasburg's throwing off flat ground again now, so hopefully that recovery will step up fairly quickly. Maybe just a, a quick rehab at Potomac in uh, a week, a week and a half or so. One, Well, maybe a bit longer, but once he's run that up. But if Tommy Malone can fill in, albeit he's faced the Marlins and the Mets, so two kind of A lineups to follow on from his A exploits so far. But hey, if he's going to keep the team in the game pretty much like he did against the Marlins, that's sort of outing against some of the better teams. So in his next outing, he'll take on the Braves. But if he can do that outing against the Marlins, against the Braves, I'm sure we'll be very happy with that from a fifth starter. And it's been a theme this year, having the fifth starter keep churning out good results. One of our contributors, Rush Schimberg, put out a poll of which has been more surprising. Max Scherzer's complete dominance or the fifth star role. And I think it's a no brainer when you've had Helix and step in the way he has and putting in the effort and getting the results, obviously of late he struggled. But before that he was carrying a mid two ZRA, even though he was pitching five or six innings each time. So that's definitely a huge positive. Uh, also on the starting pitching side, we have Tanner Roach was phenomenal again. Seven innings of one-run ball with four hits, one walk, and seven strikeouts. It was tough to follow up that uh, that eight-inning performance against the Brewers, where he completely dominated them throughout the whole game. But he did his best uh, against the Mets with this kind of performance, and hopefully this is the Tanner Roach that we saw at the saw at the start of the year when he was carrying about a three ERA. And yeah, the 2 seamers biting again. We see him against the Reds. Hopefully, if that two-seam has got the same bite, especially when two of their better hitters with Votto, Jeanette, obviously Jesse Wink has gone down injured, but two-seamer plays well against left-handers. That's something to, to bear in mind in this matchup. So, hopefully, he can have another positive, positive outing against the Reds. And <laughs> despite all that offense on Tuesday night, we haven't gone with a hitter in the first two-player of the series, but. Bryce Harper probably deserves a pretty good mention in this. Fourth eight, four runs, three RBI. He even got a stolen base off Noah Syndergaard, who's now, I think he's third or fourth in the majors in stolen bases allowed, despite being uh, being on the disabled list twice. And he hustled on every single play. I think that's one thing that hasn't been picked up with Bryce when it does happen. And, yeah, since the All-Star break, he's hitting 333, maybe a little tick above now. Uh but yeah, we're seeing the old Bryce. The strikeouts are still there, which is kind of worrying, so that Babbitt may regress down to kind of 280, 250 kind of level. But if he starts getting those walks, cuts down on those strikeouts, most of them are up in the zone, and he's going chasing and just can't catch up to it. So hopefully with a little bit more time, uh, he's stopped trying to hit it out of the park. He's going the opposite way a lot, so we'll see a lot of that progress. And on the hitting side, a close second was... Daniel Murphy obviously went nuts on Tuesday with two home runs. Uh, he nearly, <laughs> as Byron Kerr from Masson pointed out, he nearly had the RBI cycle when he had uh, one RBI in the first inning, two uh, two-run home run, and then a three-run home run. So that was good to see, and he's another scorching hot. Hitters. There's a lot of scorching hot hitters in the middle of the lineup: Soto, Murphy, and Harper. Since the All-Star break, all above 333 and all have an OPS above a 1,000. So, drawing those walks, getting that on base up. And when they are hitting, they're connecting with doubles in the gap, or as we saw with Murphy, driving it over the fence. So, the offense may actually be coming around now. We've said this for a long time, even when they've gone, scored 14 against the Marlins, or was it, 17 against the Phillies, and having these huge performances, and the, the comeback win against the Phillies on Sunday Night Baseball. But this time they may actually be able to follow it up. They've been pretty consistent out of the break so far, aside from you was the one run performance against. Well, the the two awful performances against the Marlins. But on the whole, it's been consistent, which is what we want to see. And also another huge uh, addition to the middle of the lineup. Anthony Rendon activated off the family emergency medical list, so we're still not quite sure what that was about. Uh, potentially, um, his wife having trouble with the birth or needing a little bit longer, but nothing major came out. So everything seems to be okay on that front, and it didn't affect his performance. And the newborn hasn't been keeping him up too much at night. Big two-run home run on Wednesday that put the Nets uh, put the Nets three up and just out of reach of the Mets. There, they obviously they on another couple in the the bottom of the eighth, but that was huge and giving them plenty of breathing room in that game. Obviously, Tommy Malone came out and dominated, but that was no given before the game. You needed those runs. So if that middle of the lineup, we haven't even mentioned Adam Eaton, who's had a a strong July. So Eaton, Turner, aside from a miserable series in Milwaukee has been great. Harper, Soto, Zimmerman's been hitting really well. All of the lineups starting to click now. And just in time, obviously, uh, with the trade deadline, we talk about the trades that did happen and the move that also happened on Wednesday. But it's showing Mike Mike Rizzo putting his faith in that team and saying this offense is going to click. And so far it's very, very small sample outside or after the all star break, but they have clicked. Uh you've got the Reds coming up, the Braves, uh the Cubs and then I think it's the Cardinals and Phillies. So it's going to be a huge stretch against Some pretty good teams. Reds are no mugs despite their record. They've been playing really well since they got rid of Brian Price. So, time to step up. They're not going to have the Mets for (laughs) for a little while now to beat up on. As I mentioned before, we have now passed the trade deadline. Uh, Nationals only made the one move. So, Brandon Kintzler went to the Chicago Cubs for single-A relief pitcher John Romero. Uh, Kinsler had been doing pretty well this season. He'd been pretty consistent. Had a little time on the DL, uh, and he was a useful seventh inning guy. That that law firm, obviously, they've been missing Doolittle for a while, but you had the modified law firm with Kinsler, Madsen, and Herrera. Um, but interestingly, Barry Sverluga of the Washington Post—I hope I pronounced that name right—thought uh, that. Uh, Rizzo dealt him because he leaked to the press about some of the clubhouse issues, which was a bit bizarre, and there's been no clarity on that. Initially, it was thought that it was part of the Jeff Passan report of Yahoo Sports. Grant uh, Paulson of 106.7 The Fan reported that it was that uh, Chelsea James Washington Post article talking about Davey Martinez's handling of the bullpen, but I think that last source is a little bit off because... I had another reread through the article today. There's no anonymous quotes, there's no kinsler quotes. It's all mainly uh, Madsen and Sean Kelly, who we'll get onto in a bit. Uh, in terms of the package they got back again, it's another minimal one. They got similar back for Brian Goodwin, despite Brian Goodwin being relatively valuable. John Romero, a single A relief pitcher, 327 ERA with the Myrtle Beach Pelicans in high A. 57 strikeouts in 44 innings and touch 97, so not a bad relief prospect. But again, having a relief prospect in single aid does seem a bit low for someone so reliable like Brandon Kinsler when he's got that two-seam working. So there's definitely something else going on there. I don't know if we'll get any more clarity on it. I think people are going to try and move on from that. And then also, Sean Kelly was DFA'd on Wednesday for chucking his glove down on the ground on Tuesday in that bizarre... Uh, home run in the ninth inning, which it was very strange. You watch it back, and he's talking to both the umpires. He said that the home plate umpire was telling him to speed up, obviously, 25-1, to everyone just wants to go home at that point. But the second base umpire was also saying, look, if you don't come set for the full second, I'm going to call a balk. And Sean Kelly's getting very confused as to who to listen to and what to actually do in that scenario. Gave up the home run, and then he looked back at the Nats dugout some people say uh, he's looking at David Martinez to go, you need to back me up here, tell the umpires, go have a word with them or something. And some of them think that it's uh, at David Martinez for putting him in that game. But I, I doubt that. I think some of the quotes that he's mentioned afterwards kind of fully understand why he's put them in. Put Kelly in there. He's fully rested. He's obviously not one of the high, high leverage guys that they would have tried to save. Um So, yeah, I think it is down to the umpires and looking at his dugout asking for backup and Rizzo has taken exception to that. He's gone, look, don't give us a bad look on the field. I think Rizzo is now, now that he's decided, right, we're going going with this team, he's leaving no margin forever, so, but for error even. Um, So that's why he's been designated for assignment and I kind of like it and it makes sense with the bullpen pieces when you've got... Wonder Suero. they called up Jimmy Cordero, who's got a low one ZRA in AAA. So he definitely deserves a, a shot. And it's the one place that the Nats do have good organizational depth. So it was interesting to see. And um, perhaps uh, kind of the next step in Rizzo and David Martinez's relationship. It's, it's rumored that it was actually the, uh, the owner's decision to get rid of Dusty Baker. Mike Rizzo wasn't a fan of that. And now he's realising, right, we've got David Martinez, let's back him up, let's make sure he's in charge by uh, designating for assignment someone who potentially threatened that, and trading Brandon Kinsler, who potentially threatened that, obviously, that second part with Kinsler is a little more sketchy, but Sean Kelly gave that look on the field and it didn't look like he was fully behind him. So, joining me now on the podcast to look ahead to the National Series against the Reds is site expert from Blog Red Machine, Drew Cook. How are you doing, Drew?
1: I'm doing good, man. How about yourself?
0: Doing pretty good. Uh, We've had an interesting time with the Nationals over the last few days with the trade deadline.
1: Yeah, you guys still got Bryce Harper, right?
0: Hopefully. Okay. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) uh, So, yeah, the Reds so far this year, 48-60 and record, bottom of the NL Central. But it's definitely been going a lot better over the last, say, month and a half with former Nationals manager... Jim Riggleman in charge.
1: Yeah, they, uh, you know, they they got out of the gates really rough with that three and 15 start before they fired Brian Price, Uh, you know, and then they followed that up with the three straight losses when Riggleman started out, but uh, they've been on pretty much, they've they've been playing better than 500 ball over the last, you know, month and a half, two months. And uh, it's been impressive to watch. Their offense is actually playing, you know, really well. The Miller lineup is really difficult to handle for most opposing pitchers. And, they're starting pitching starting to come along a little bit too. So they've got a great bullpen. They just, uh, I think you don't really, you know, win a pin in April, but you can sure as heck lose it. And I think that's kind of where they're sitting at right now.
0: Mm. So in their last series, a bit like Nats, they had a two game set against the Tigers. Uh, they dropped the first game in a pitcher's duel two to one with Homer Bailey actually tossing a complete game loss, which you don't see too often. And then uh, on Wednesday, the Reds couldn't quite rally from 6-0 down and ended up losing 7-4. So what are kind of the takeaways for the Reds from that series?
1: Well, I, I think you take away from that first game, number one, you know, Homer Bailey in his last two starts has been pitching phenomenal. Uh, you know, you're right. You don't usually go a complete game in the loss, but uh, I mean, he took, a, you know, really going into the ninth inning, he'd only given up one hit and it was a solo home run. Uh, His offense just couldn't put anything together on the other side of it. And um, so I think, you know, after his rehab assignment, honestly, a lot of the Reds fans were kind of cringing with the thought of him coming back because their rotation had actually played really well. And now you're switching to a six-man rotation, and it wasn't really sitting well with a lot of the fan base. But two games into it so far, he actually looks really good. Um, uh, So I can't really complain too much about Bailey's performance. The offense just kind of let him down in that game.
0: Yeah, um, yeah, the six-man rotation is a bit a bit strange, and especially for someone like the Reds, they haven't had kind of that depth in the rotation. But when you look up and down, there aren't there isn't necessarily a standout pitcher this year. Castillo uh, kind of was last season, but this year they all seem like they're very they're very solid in that six-man rotation.
1: Yeah, they're, they're solid, you know, average to solid, uh, you know, Tyler Malley actually had a really nice stretch for several games, but, uh, he's been struggling a bit lately. Um, you know, Matt Harvey, except for that game against Pittsburgh has been pretty solid since he's come up from the Mets and, um, you know, Castillo seems to have finally found his groove. I think the, the odd, uh, pitcher in the rotation right now is probably the guy who pitched today in Sal Romano. But um, they've also kind of tweaked around with him, playing him out of the bullpen a little bit. So, you know, he's kind of been available to any position, you know, any spot in the rotation that they can fit him or if he needs to come out of the bullpen. He's been available in a couple stints since they've gone to this six-man rotation. But um, he went out there today and, uh, you know, it wasn't his best outing, but um, he's had a lot worse too. But it's a very, very young staff. Uh, not as much since Bailey's come back, but they're still a pretty young uh, pitching staff.
0: I did like uh, the term "brought him up" for Matt Harvey. Like they brought him up from the <laughs> Triple A. <laughs> uh, so looking ahead to that series, which uh, which Reds players should the Nets fans be keeping an eye on?
1: Well, I I think I think you got you know everybody's gonna think about Joey Votto. I think that's you know, he's been a mainstay for the Reds for years, and he's having a good season. He's not having a you know the same type of uh, MVP like season he had last year. but He's still playing solid. Uh, honestly, you know, Scooter Jeanette's getting a lot of publicity, but Eugenio Suarez is probably the uh, best offensive player that the Reds have right now. He went through a five-game stretch and hit a homer every single game that he played. Um, you know, he's last I checked, he was leading the uh, National League in RBIs. I don't know if he's if that's still the case or not, but um, he's he's a powerhouse in that lineup, and he's usually playing you know right there in the cleanup spot. And if Jeanette and Orvado get on base, I mean, he's in prime position to drive in some runs. So I think Suarez is far and above the best offensive player that they have on the team right now.
0: Yeah. Well, he went, he went to the all-star game as the baseman ahead of the likes of Chris Bryant, Anthony Rendon, who Nats fans uh, are well aware has been a great player, but he fully deserved it. I think he's leading, uh, all the red hitters in home runs, RBIs, and the OPS. Note how I say hitters, because I think Lorenzen's leading in OPS. Which is yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. If if
1: if he gets if he gets a an at bat, don't don't be shocked if he hits one over the fence. But uh, he uh, he hasn't had as, as good a streak as he as he did uh, several weeks ago. But he's still you know every chance he gets to come to the to the plate. I think it's a little bit of a gamble if you throw inside on him.
0: Yeah, I think one one under the radar name that I've noticed for the Reds is. Philip Irvin, who's kind of stepped up after the loss of Jesse Winker, who was potentially looking to challenge one soto for Rookie of the Year. But since the All-Star break, he's hitting 419, four doubles, five RBI and an OPS over a thousand. What's the scouting report on Irvin?
1: You know, Ir- Irvin, I think one of the things with Irvin, you know, he was he was down in triple. He started the season up with the Reds and then, you know, he got bumped down to triple A after they got healthy. And then, like you said, when when Winker went down, he actually came up with uh, Scott Scheppler went on the DL with a shoulder injury. Uh, But especially once Winker went down, he's been able to stick uh, in in the starting lineup. He gives the Reds some speed in the outfield, which um, they didn't really have with Winker. And he's got a pretty good eye at the plate. He's not necessarily as powerful as as Winker is at the plate. But, um, you know, he can put the bat on the ball, and he's gotten into some good – uh, situations except for the base running blunder that might have cost the Reds a game uh against the Tigers earlier this week
0: yeah um I, like I said I've been really impressed and go with winker going down I think he was uh, he was on quite a stretch before he kind of ended his season
1: yeah Je- Jesse winker's injury was was pretty devastating I think you know not just for him but for the you know for the whole organization I think they have they've put a lot of faith in him and he had a stretch earlier in the season when he just wasn't producing but he caught fire uh recently and that injury just kind of came at a horrible time for him like you were saying he was you know he was going to be in that mix uh for NL rookie of the year I don't think he was going to win it but uh, I think he was going to be in that mix for that uh you know he he had the second best uh, OPS behind Joey Votto in the NL so I think that's pretty impressive to have two guys on the same roster that are leading the league and and uh, on base percentage so um uh that's pretty good stuff.
0: Mm. And then uh one other name that I've picked out, Tucker Barnhart. They gave him the big extension, was it in the offseason before 2017? Uh-huh. Yeah, he uh he always stands out on both sides of the ball. He's doing quite well, he's one of the better defensive catchers in the league, I think. And the offense has been turning around lately as well.
1: Yeah, but by, by far he's he's one of the best, you know, defensive catchers out there. I don't think you'll have too many people argue with you about, you know, his defense. And, you know, he's hitting about 250 on the season. I think he's got seven home runs and 30-plus RBIs. Uh, but he's a solid bat, and, um, you know, he, he's, he's a switch hitter, so that also benefits, benefits the Reds as well, depending on who, uh, whoever the pitching matchup is out there for him.
0: Yeah, I'm sure Nationals fans would love to have someone like Tucker Barnhart. Uh, <laughs> is there another under-the-radar name that we should keep an eye on? I, I'll,
1: I'll, I'll give you one, and that is uh, Jose Peraza and it's the shortstop for the Reds. He's, you know, very much an under-the-radar kind of guy, very steady. And uh, up until recently, he had just been about an average shortstop. But this year, he's really kind of taken his game to another level. Uh, He's been leading off since Shevler's been hurt. Uh, He's been able to get on base, and he's got a lot of speed on the base paths. So when they bat Hamilton in that nine spot, if Hamilton – and that's a big if – if he's able to get on base – if he and Peraza are on at the same time, there's a lot of speed on the base paths, and you're following that up with the likes of Jeanette and Vado and Suarez. So, you know, if if um, if Peraza is able to get on base, he can he can scoot on the base paths and get around there and, uh, you know, help the RBI numbers for those big hitters in the cleanup spot and the two and three hole as well.
0: So. Hmm. Yeah, I, re- I remember being really high on Peraza when he was coming up through... I can't remember. Was it the Dodgers? The Dodgers. Yeah, was, oh no, the Dodgers. no, it was the Bra- I think it was the Braves who he was coming up with, and yeah, the speed was his main tool. Um, I don't know if the average and potentially some power has come along as you hope, but yeah, he's he's definitely someone to watch out for if he gets on base.
1: Yes, yeah, his you know his average has has been uh, you know slowly climbing up. Like I said, of of late, he's been much better. Um, he didn't start out the season great, but he's up to about two eighty now and uh you know he's got 17 stolen bases on the season so he's definitely a a problem on the base pass if he gets on base which he's been doing quite a lot lately
0: Hmm. so which Nats players are you particularly keen to see obviously I think some of the big names like Harper Soto uh maybe Murphy as well but uh give us one big name and one uh lesser name that you're interested to see during this series
1: well you know i mean obviously i think uh i think max scherzer is one that i think uh you know it it scares the the heck out of me on the the thursday night matchup i know that uh tyler malley's been struggling lately and uh you know max scherzer is about as dominant as a pitcher as there is uh but i am excited to watch him i think you know when you have an ace like that on your staff I think that that's uh, something very, very um, special to watch. So I hope all you guys uh, in Washington understand how special it is to have that guy with you. Um, as far as uh, as far as a surprise guy or somebody that might be a little off the radar, uh, is, is it is it Defoe? Is it, am I pronouncing his name right? When we're Defoe. Defoe, okay, Defoe, yeah, uh, second baseman.
0: Uh, yeah, he he's been uh, around the infield a lot, but yeah. Um... It'll be interesting to see how much playing time he's got cuz obviously we have now got Rendon Turner Murphy's playing a lot more second base now.
1: Okay, so Murphy's back. Okay, I got you.
0: Uh but yeah, he I think he uh he gets quite a few starts. Obviously, Murphy's coming back from that knee injury in the offseason it took him a lot longer, so um I don't think I don't think you have a lefty going. So, uh no,
1: no, 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 left, no lefty starters, only only uh, lefties out of the bullpen uh, for the Reds. So,
0: <laughs> yeah, so Murphy will probably get a game off at some point. Um, probably weren't expecting to play all four games this weekend. So, yeah, D- Defoe would be a nice one to watch. Um, for me personally, in terms of under the radar, I think Ryan Zimmerman, since he's come back from injury, hitting 292 since the All Star break, uh, again, hitting it hard. He's one of the league leaders in exit velocity for. The stat heads out there, so hopefully, he'll have a nice series. Obviously, all righties they might have to pick and choose their matchups with those who are kind of even splits between lefties and right,
1: right? Yeah, um, you know, with without having uh without having a, a left handed uh pitcher in the starting lineup uh or in the starting rotation, they're they're going to rely pretty heavily on Amir Garrett if they're looking for a lefty lefty matchup coming out there. So that's probably going to be the Reds' mo is going. Wandy Peralta was just brought up as well, so that wouldn't shock me to see him come in there as well. But the Reds don't have a lot of left-handed pitchers coming out of their bullpen at all. It's just Garrett and uh, Peralta. So that's about Mm. all you guys got to worry about on your
0: end. (laughs) Yeah, and we'll stack it with left But yeah, it's it's interesting (laughs) you mentioned the the bullpen. They've got Iglesias, Lorenzen's not done a, a bad job. Amir Garrett's really flourished in the bullpen. So is that the main strength of the team, or is it that heart of the lineup like Zavoto, Suarez, and Jeanette?
1: If, if you're asking me, I'd, I'd go with the bullpen. I think their bullpen's been dominant this year. I think that's been their, their thing that they can hang their hat on, and that's something that Riggleman's not afraid to do, is to go to his bullpen. Um, you know, I, I, I'll tell you, a lot of uh, Reds fans get a little upset sometimes when he has a quick hook for a starter, but I think he depends so much and he has so much faith in his bullpen that um, he's not afraid to go down there with guys like Garrett and Hughes, you got, you know, Roselle Iglesias that'll close out the game, but the guy out of the bullpen that's been the most impressive to me has been David Hernandez from the angels that they picked up this last year. Um, He's got a 1.79 ERA and uh, you know, he just, he just finds a way to get the outs when he needs them. So he's been very, very steady, probably the most steady arm in the bullpen that they've had. Hughes has been really good this season as well.
0: Hmm. So now we're going to look ahead to each matchup individually. Obviously, as Drew touched on on Thursday night, it's Max Scherzer against Tyler Marley. Max Scherzer 14-5 with a 2-3 OERA. Tyler Marley with a 7-8 record and 4-3, no, 4-5-3 ERA. And I noticed that his uh, OPS, OPS against lefties was 300 points higher. So that would definitely be the day to stack the lefties. Yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah he's um he's struggled a bit lately uh his last three starts have not been the best he's um you know he came up he came up playing really really well but over the last three games he's carrying like a fourteen ERA. you know i he's i don't think he's gotten past the fifth inning um he's just he's really he if that um if that continues going forward or if he's going to snap out of the streak.
0: Yeah, didn't, didn't he start the season with six no-hit innings against the Cubs, if I remember right?
1: Yes, yes, yeah. He he, he came, you know, and they won, They actually won that game. That was one of the first games that they won uh, coming out of the gates. They had to, you know, get past those three games against the Nationals first before they could come out with a win. But, uh, yeah, he started out with a win, and then he had three straight losses. Um, then he kind of went back and forth. But uh, the whole month of June... He actually played really, really well in the month of June. Um, you know, he, he, I don't think he lost a single game that month. Uh, his ERA was, was pretty outstanding. I believe it was around about uh, 2.5, 2.5, something like that, for the, month of, for the month of June. So that's the Tyler Mally that Reds fans would like to see, uh, hopefully on Thursday, because I think against Scherzer, they're going to need that kind of performance from him to have a chance in that game.
0: Yeah, you're you're not the first person to come on this podcast and say, "Well, I'd, I do quite like our guy, but then it's it's Max Scherzer. And <laughs> even, even against the Reds, he's three and one with a two oh five ERA and five career starts. So it's going to be difficult. He's been he's not been the dominant Max Scherzer in the last kind of five or six starts we saw at the start of the year. He had like a one seven five ERA or something like that, and it's risen risen to two three zero. So he's been uh." It,
1: He is human after all, huh?
0: Yeah, it just shows how spoiled we were. We're getting used to that and kind of being an above-average major league starter is a down spell for Scherzer. (laughs) Uh, So how do you predict this one going then?
1: Um, You know, I I think the Reds are going to have a hard time against Scherzer. Uh, You know, history kind of goes against them. Uh, and with the way that Mally's been pitching, I've got to see it to believe it before I think that, uh, that he's going to snap out of that funk. So I honestly see this one going towards the Nationals if I'm just looking at it objectively.
0: Yeah, I think. No, I don't think anyone would blame you for for going that way in this one. Uh, potentially a more evenly matched one on Friday night at 7.05 Eastern. Gio Gonzalez will face off against Anthony Di Scalfani. Gio is six and seven with a three seven eight ERA. Di Sclafani, four and three with a five four seven ERA. But I noticed that he's got a six 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 ERA in July. And uh kind of against him, he's from uh from afar, he seemed like a solid starter across the board and kind of missed the consistency.
1: Yeah, I I think the injuries, you know, you know played a role in in him, obviously. I mean, he didn't get his first start until, you know, the first week in June this year. And I think he's sitting on ten or eleven starts so far. He he played well when he first came out. He had I think it was about a four point four five ERA in uh, in the month of June, and you know the Reds were uh, you know three and two. I think he was three and one during that stretch. But kind of a lot like Malley, he's he's kind of fallen off a lot more recently. Uh, you know, especially over the last three starts, he struggled against the Cardinals. He only went three in a third. And then the next game against the Pirates, he didn't make it through five innings. And then, you know, he followed that up the following uh, week against the Phillies. And, um, you know, it, it just he just hasn't had the same stuff that he had earlier in the year. And uh, I, I wonder if it's Russ that could be bringing that on from not being, you know, not playing. He didn't play at all last season. So, uh, you know, that, that injury could have taken its toll. Maybe it's just going to take him a little bit while longer to get back to form but he's a solid pitcher um but just nothing spectacular i would say
0: yeah it's it's interesting that you touch on the injuries it seems like he starts on the 60 day dl every season though.
1: <laughs> yeah yeah it's 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 been a rough go for him I, I think if if he's ever able to conquer that injury bug i think he can be a you know a solid number 2 number 3 or number 4 starter in a rotation uh you know so hopefully he if, if he can finish out this season uh, you know on staying off the disabled list, I would kind of consider that a win, considering that, you know, Cincinnati is basically out of all contention right now anyway.
0: Yeah, definitely. Uh, it'll be interesting to see which Gio Gonzalez shows up. He's been a bit uh hit and miss of late. We've obviously seen him struggle. Like He, he got off to a great start, had a, uh, a mid-two um probably as recently as a month and a half ago, and the wheels have kind of fallen off. He had a high whip, so he was allowing a lot of runners to score, giving up some home runs. But against uh, against the Marlins, he did quite well. And obviously in his first start of the season against Cincinnati, he went six innings, five hits, one run, one walk, and seven strikeouts. So I'm not quite sure how how this one will go. How how does the lineup do against lefties? Obviously, two of its best hitters are left-handed.
1: Yeah, with, with Jeanette and uh, Votto being left-handed, and then, of course, uh, you know, you've got um, uh, Shevler, if he's back at, by that point in time, he's a lefty as well. Um, so th- they they don't do bad against left-handed hitting. Uh, they don't have that same approach they did when, you know, Dusty Baker was managing where you're lefty, righty, lefty, righty, alternating. He, you know, didn't like to pile up the lefties. You'll have some back-to-back left-handed hitters, but, um, you know, I, I think the, the big bat to watch with the lefty on the mound is Suarez. I think, you know, <laughs> He just sits on those pitches, and if, if there's anything thrown inside, it you know you got to be really careful if you're the opposing pitcher pitching to Suarez. If it's inside, he's going to turn on it.
0: Yeah, de- definitely against Gio, I'm definitely double circling Suarez on the lineup in that one. Uh, so, how do you see that that matchup going?
1: You know, i I, I think I think this is going to come down to them having to get players on base and allowing their guys like Suarez to actually you know, hit-in runs. I don't know how easily we can manufacture runs against uh, against a guy like Geo. So I think if they're able to get runners on base at the right times and not, you know, hit solo shots or, you know, just – they have to get runners on base first. So I'm leaning towards the Nats in that that game as well because they've been struggling of late just getting runners on base. They've been having to rely more on manufacturing runs than they have been on, you know – capitalizing when they have players in position to do that so I'll, I'll lean with the Nationals again in that game as well
0: yeah I think it, it's definitely one that the Reds can look to take and I think it's going to be pretty close obviously the finally struggled Gio on the whole has struggled of late so it could be quite a high scoring one and probably going a bit biased I'll probably lean towards the Nats but yeah I'm definitely wary of uh the Reds coming back in that one uh, so on Saturday, it's Jeremy Hellickson squaring off against old nemesis Matt Harvey at 7:05 Eastern. Jeremy Hellickson, four and two with a 3.59 ERA. Matt Harvey, five and six with a 5.13 ERA. For again, from afar, I haven't watched the Reds too much. You either get excellent Matt Harvey going seven seven innings, one run, or you get god awful Matt Harvey who goes about two innings, giving up six runs. Is that about the gist of it? You know
1: that's pretty accurate. He he had a great stretch uh, from about June through July, and the Pirates just lit him up two uh, you know two games ago for eight hits, eight runs, four of them being home runs. He only struck out two, and he lasted three and two thirds. But aside from that, you know the Matt Harvey that that we've had here, you know he went uh, you know six straight games without allowing a home run after you know allowing three to the Cardinals back in June. So if if he keeps the ball in the ballpark, I really like Harvey's chances. He he could have gone a lot further in that game last week against the Phillies. That was kind of a Jim Riggleman made the decision to pinch hit for him after playing, after pitching 5 innings because he was trying to, you know, get some more runs on the board in order to win that game, which they actually did. But uh, his velocity was almost touching 98 miles an hour, so I think it's a shock to a lot of Reds fans that he's still on the roster. I think that they were expecting him to be flipped for a prospect from, you know, some team at the trade deadline, but I guess the Reds never really found what they were looking for and he's going to be with Cincinnati at least for the next game against the Nationals, so uh I I like I like Harvey in the matchup going forward.
0: Yeah, it's uh I feel like it's going to be one where you can tell which Matt Harvey you're going to get in the first inning if he's touching 98 hitting his spots in the first inning it's pretty clear that he's going to be the good Matt Harvey.
1: Absolutely. I would agree with you on that.
0: Yeah. Um, and, yeah, I don't know. Um, is there any particular pattern or does it just just one day he doesn't have it?
1: it you know, I, it, 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 it isn't like in every other start or anything like that. Like I said, he had six straight games where he had, you know, really productive baseball. He had, you know, four wins out of, out of those six games. Um, I I think if if he keeps the ball in the ballpark, I, I think that's the key to it. If he gives up runs early, like you said, um, I I think he's, but I think Riggleman's gonna have a quick trigger with him too. I mean, he's got, you know, with that six-man starting rotation, I don't think he's afraid to, you know, put another, you know, put another starter in there and then bump somebody back in that starting rotation. Those six starters do limit the bullpen though. So even as good as the bullpen's been, I'd love to see the starters, whoever it may be, go at least six innings to help preserve that bullpen a little bit that's been run out pretty well in the last several
0: games. Hmm. Speaking of uh, bullpens needing plenty of innings, Nats Jeremy Hellickson, obviously, it's been quite a bit talked about for the Nats. He only goes probably two and a half times through the order, and of late he struggled. In July as an ERA of – Five four seven, and he had a two six three ERA right, before coming into July. So it'll be interesting to see which uh, which Jeremy Hellickson you get. Um, how do you see this matchup going?
1: This is one I'm going to lean towards the Reds. I really like what Harvey's been doing lately. I think that that game against the Pirates was an anomaly, and he's been pitching really, really well, especially hitting his velocity and hitting his spots. So I'm going to lean with the Reds in this matchup.
0: Yeah, I I'm one hundred percent agree that this is probably the worst matchup for the Nats and again if if you get Matt Harvey diegling, uh the Reds offense can certainly get to Jeremy Hellickson if it gets that far um, so yeah I would probably pick the Reds in this one uh, and then finally on Sunday we have Tanner Roark up against Luis Castillo at 1 35 p.m finally an afternoon game Tanner Roark, 5-12 with a 4-3-7 ERA. Luis Castillo, 6-8 with a 4-9-8 ERA. And he was one of the, the breakout stars of last season. He had a 3-1-2 ERA, a whip around one, and striking out nearly 10 batters uh, per nine innings. So what's been the source behind his struggles?
1: You know, he, he's been much better of late. He got off to a horrendous start. I mean, you know, his first game when he, you know, against Washington, the Reds got... Manhandled thirteen to seven. I think he gave up like six or seven runs. His his biggest struggle has been the home run. Just like just like Matt Harvey, if he can keep the ball in the ballpark, uh, the odds are much much better for him having a successful outing. He went seven innings. His last game against the Phillies, um, he only allowed four hits. You know, not a single run, and struck out nine. His strikeout rate's been really good, and he's slowly been bringing that ERA back down. Uh, since about mid-June, so the last several starts have been pretty decent for him, with an outlier being the Chicago Cubs back in uh, early July. But again, it's it's all about keeping that ball in the ballpark for him because he's surrendered, you know, several games where he's had multiple home run, uh, multiple home runs allowed.
0: Hmm. Yeah, like I said, he re- he really impressed me last season with that uh, fastball slider combination. It was deadly at times. Yeah,
1: he's he's got a nice forcing fastball that he'll throw in there, and you know he's, his velocity's been up. It's been very nice, and you know his his pitch count. I mean, he can get you know upwards of a hundred plus pitches, and if as as long as he as long as he keeps that ball down, he's usually pretty successful with it. Uh, the seven innings that he went against Philly this last week were the most innings he's pitched all season. So I'd love to see him be able to go deep again in
0: another game. Hmm. Yeah, I think yeah. Uh... In this one, you're kind of facing Tanner Rock at the wrong time. He'd gone through a, a miserable stretch of giving up uh, like six or seven runs, and even some bizarre games where he went seven innings giving up nine runs. I think that was against the the Red Sox. Been his last two starts, fifteen innings, just seven hits, one run, one walk, and eighteen strikeouts. And kind of he's been working on that two seam- two seamer, making sure to get it down. And I think that that kind of plays well against left-handed hitters if you can run it towards them and get it to break back in the zone, then it might not be a fantastic matchup for the power lefties in the lineup.
1: Yeah, I I think the left-handed hitters are going to struggle. I think they're going to have to, again, rely on guys getting on base. And I I, th- I think Suarez is, is going to be a, a big key for the Reds in this series. If 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 Suarez is shut down, you know, if, if the Nats pitching is able to keep him under wraps, uh, I think you're right about the left-handed matchups that they're going to have. And, you know, without having uh, – you know, w- Winker, even though he's left-handed, that that hurts them. And the guys that they've got in there to, you know, to take their place right now, uh, Mason Williams has been decent since he came up from Louisville. He's been kind of a fun little player to watch. But um, I, I don't think that uh, he's going to provide as much offense as they're going to need against, uh, against the Nationals pitching.
0: Yeah, like you say, Winker, although he's left-handed, that may not play fantastically with the – with the matchups, it's the way he works at bats that they're gonna miss no matter what no matter what the pitching matchup is. Right. Uh so I think in this one I'm probably gonna to lean towards the Nats, but I'm gonna be uh kind of like you said, a bit cautious of Castillo potentially throwing a gem if he can keep the ball in the ballpark.
1: Yeah, I'll um I, I'm I'm gonna be a little biased here and I'm I'm gonna to lean towards the Reds. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna hope that they get a series split in this one and take the two weekend games from you guys. Uh, but I'll, I'll give you all two and I'll take two for the Reds.
0: Yeah, if the Marlins can do it, anyone can do it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, like I said, I am kind of wary of this one. Obviously, we saw the great Castillo last season. He's not quite been that, but he's turning around. It's, it, again, it's one I'm wary of. I think the only one that I'm pretty supremely confident in is the one on Thursday.
1: Yeah. I, I, I would completely support you in that one. If, if if they're able, the only way I see them getting to that one is if it's, if, if Malley's able to go back to where he was middle of the season, if it becomes a pitcher's duel and it's, you know, one, nothing, two to one, something like that, the, the Reds are in it. But if, um, if, if Scherzer, you know, keeps them under wraps and Malley surrenders the runs like he has been, I, I think that's a pretty safe bet for the nationals.
0: Yeah, definitely. Uh, so yeah, that pretty much wraps up our Red Series preview. I want to say thanks to Drew for joining me today. You, you mentioned before you came on, it was your first podcast, and I don't think anyone could tell until I said that. So, okay. where where can our listeners find you and your work?
1: Uh, Blog Red Machine is where we're at uh, blogredmachine.com. And uh, anybody wants to head over that way, I'd love to have you guys come visit the site.
0: Perfect. Thanks, Drew.
1: Absolutely. Thank you.
0: So, again, I want to thank, say thanks to Drew Cook. I had to make sure to get that. Uh, that name right before he came on, given the spelling of it, which I'm sure you'll see in the article and podcast description. Remember to check out some of our content on site this week. Ross wrote a fantastic article on Nats Reliever Wonderswerer, who's had to step up in the absence of Brandon Kintzler. He's got a little bit more length in him. He's gone two and two-thirds at his peak this season. and That's the kind of flexibility the Nationals need. I remember earlier in the season they were carrying seven or eight relievers, and all of them were pretty much just one-inning guys. So having Suero in there to get give a little, ball, little bit more length is uh, great for the bullpen. And then, obviously, I looked at the Nats' performance at the trade deadline with the one move and the moves that didn't happen with the speculation around Bryce Harper. Uh, so you can see my overall grade for the team and front office's performance. Remember to follow us on Twitter, District on Deck. Give us a like on Facebook, District on Deck. Subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play, Spreaker, and Stitcher. We can get episodes automatically downloaded to your mobile device for you to listen to on the commute to work. We'll be back over the weekend as we look ahead to a crucial series against the Atlanta Braves. Uh, They'll need to make up some ground in the NL East in that one. So we'll see you then.